Pastor Aldo for um, allowing Bishop to uh, allow me to be here today. And so we're grateful for this time of year to be able to celebrate Christmas. And my wife says this, and I know that a lot of you also say this, it's the best time of the year. It's such an awesome time. It's, it's a time that we anticipate throughout the year. And for many, many reasons, we do that. We anticipate it because it's a time, it's a season where we get to experience so much joy. And, and, and it seems like people are a little bit different this time of year, every year. Like they have a little bit more patience. They have a little bit more love, a little bit more joy. And so it makes it a great time of year. And that, that can, you can't skip over that because that's, that's not just unique to the, you know, the, the church, although it is found within the church, but that's just in the world in general. There's just that sense and that is the whole point of Advent. The point of Advent being to celebrate and remember from us, from the church perspective, remember the coming of Christ into this world. That's, that's what Advent is about. But it's not just that. It's also about the Advent, which means the coming, and the celebration and the honoring, the remembering that he's coming back. And so we don't just celebrate that he came, but we come together this time of year to observe what we call Advent because we're excited about the fact that he's coming back. He's not done. Amen. And so this reality that we live in, we understand that it's, it's temporal. This is just for a time. He's coming back to rule for eternity. And so that's what we observe today as well. So Advent is, again, honoring what happened way back then, but also the anticipation of what's coming. And so we get to celebrate that time this year, every year, and it's such an awesome opportunity because, again, it's so much joy. There's so much love that goes around, and we're thankful for that. And so in these weeks leading to this celebration, it's coming Friday, right? Thursday night into Friday. Thursday night is Christmas Eve. We are having a service, right? So don't forget that. We're having a service. Be here. So in, in anticipation of that, we've been talking these past few weeks about Advent and specifically about the gifts, we call them the gifts of Advent. And so we know that Pastor Aldo shared on the gift of, of hope. I was here, and that was great. So what Pastor Aldo shared was that God gave hope right from the very beginning. How awesome is that? That in the midst of humanity failing miserably, God, in his kind of reprimand, he also provided hope. In his, in his you know, disappointment with what happened, he also turned around and said, but... I will send one of your seed that will conquer the enemy. Ultimately, the first messianic, you know, pronunciation in, in the in the you know the, in the Bible in our words. So we're we're grateful for that promise. And then we were also reminded the gift of hope for the world. It lives in us, right? It lives in us. So we need to be aware of that gift. And we're going to talk a little bit about gifts and and why that's important. Why we need to be aware of that gift that lives in us. We are the hope or Christ is the hope for the world through us. That gift lives in us. In the second week, Minister Jonathan shared on the gift of wisdom. And wisdom led the three kings to go find the baby, right? It was wisdom that brought them to the feet of the Savior. And it's that wisdom that lives in us, that gift of wisdom that, that Christ, that God gives us to then be able to turn and find our Savior. That is a gift. It is a gift that we're not stuck in in our own mind and in our own reality to not find the Savior, but it's the wisdom that brings us to the feet of the Savior. And it humbles us and brings us to a place of recognizing that we need a Savior. 
Now, last week, Dr. Pete was here, and I was here too, again, and praise God, he shared on the gift of love. He said that it's the gift that we all want, right? Amen. We all want love. Everybody wants love, but then it's the gift. Remember, there's some gifts that we get that we don't want to share with anyone. That's my gift. You know, that's my, um, you know, flan or whatever it is. That's my gift. I don't want to share it with anyone, but the gift of love is a gift that we want to share with everyone because once you've experienced love, you just want to share that love, and it's such an awesome gift. And remember, he spoke about the CDC. Does anybody remember the CDC? Not the Center for Disease and whatever. He spoke about certainty. He said, God loves us. It's concrete. It's unwavering. He spoke about demonstration, that God demonstrated that love to us by sending his son. And then he also spoke about continuance. He continues to demonstrate that love to us, regardless of our shortcomings. He loves us. And that's exciting stuff. That's all fantastic. And, and, and it's we can even just stop there, and God has already done and said so much and, and brought us so much to celebrate in this Advent season. But now on this fourth final Sunday, we get to share on, there's a thing that says a gift of joy somewhere. We get to share on the gift of joy. And so praise God, I get to speak today on the gift of joy. And in Luke chapter two, we just read verse 10. I'm going to go back to that. It says, The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Good tidings. Anybody know what the word tidings mean, good tidings? Basically means good news, right? So I bring to you good news of great joy. So the news I'm bringing to you, the angel is saying, is great news or good news, good news of great joy. Amen? So he already had a promise of what the gift was, great joy that was going to be brought to all people. And it's the gift to the world that would bring great joy, the gift of Christ, our Savior, coming in the form of a baby, in the form of a human for our salvation. That gift of joy was what he would be bringing and what he brought that day, that good tidings of great joy. And so the word gift is a noun. It has two definitions in the Webster's Dictionary. The word gift means it's something given willing, willingly to someone without a payment. So a present, right? A gift that we give to someone. Someone, something given willingly without expecting payment. So God gave us this gift of joy, not because we deserve it. I can tell you right now, I don't. Not because we've worked for it or paid for it, because there's no amount that we could possibly pay for the gift of joy that he's given. But he gave it to us because of his love. So we'll get into that. You heard that, because of his love. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The gift is also, the word gift is also defined as a natural ability or a talent, right? We've all heard that before. My wife is gifted in, in singing and in music, right? We know that Bishop is gifted in, in speaking and preaching and others of you are gifted in many different ways. So the gift is both something given willingly without expecting payment, but it's also a natural ability or talent. So keep that in mind because we're gonna be talking about both of those as we kind of go through this. So the big idea today, it's a little strange, but we'll, we'll, it'll make sense hopefully by the end. Joy is the highly contagious gift you can't refuse that is intended to be with you at all times. The highly contagious gift you can't refuse that is intended to be with you at all times. So we'll bring that into you know, remembrance as we go through. So when I was a kid, when I was young, a couple of years ago, 
there was a game that we used to play. My cousins and I, we would get together at the house. And this is a really expensive game because you don't have to pay anything for it. It's just, it, it just is what it is. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this game. I don't know that it even has a name. I think it might be called like the Ha game or something like that. And so the way the game works out is you lay down on the floor and then somebody else lays down perpendicular to you with their head resting on your belly. And then somebody else lays down. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No idea. You've never heard of this. You got to try this because it works. I, I kid you not. This game works. And so the whole point of the game is the first person. So if you've got, let's say, five people kind of lined up that way, everybody laying across somebody else's belly, the first person who's obviously not laying on anyone, that first person says, ha. The second person says, ha, ha. The third person says, ha, 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 and then on, so on and so on. By the time you get to that third person, and if you've not, this, this whole point that I'm making doesn't make a lot of sense if you've never seen this before, but by the time you get to that third person, typically the fourth person, there's hysterical laughter going on. Just by going, ha, 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 the, the motion of your belly moving, the, the head rocking back and forth because they're, they're laying on your belly, there's this thing that happens that all of a sudden you can't control it, you're laughing hysterically. It's proven, I, I promise you, and if you don't believe me, go home and try it. It, it, it works, I don't know why, it just works. But the, the ha is typically associated with laughing, right? So that's, that's kind of where that starts. You, you know, it starts in the belly and you just start laughing, but it's contagious. It's contagious, it just builds. Joy builds on joy, that the laughter builds on the laughter. And so it's a highly contagious, so when I get back to my, my big idea, it's a highly contagious gift. Just keep that in mind. Imagine these kids sitting around a room and then one starts laughing, the other one starts laughing, and then you just can't control yourself. Even outside of that game, you've probably experienced that, where you're in a group of people and somebody starts laughing, and then somebody, you all, everybody starts laughing. I've seen this, a video, and I'm just reminded of this, I've seen a YouTube video or something somewhere where someone was on a, a subway, a train, and they just started laughing. And, and I think that was to the point of, of trying to prove this, this, you know, this theory, where they just started laughing, and the people in the car started, you know, in the, in the subway car just started looking at them, and eventually they start laughing because the person's just laughing hysterically, and then somebody else starts laughing, and somebody else starts laughing because it's contagious. Joy is contagious. And so let's talk about joy. Let's define joy. The dictionary defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So my first point today, joy is not optional. Joy is not optional. That sounds a little bit strange. That means you got no choice. Joy is not an option. Now, joy is, is and I'm going to get into why joy is an option. Hopefully it'll make sense to you all. Joy is not an option is because it's, it's part of other blessings that we get. And so this, this um, statement, joy is not an option, is specifically to us, to us in the church. And so just keep that in mind. That's to us in the church, us, us that know Jesus as our Savior. The gift of joy is not an option. And so, you know, we can't get salvation without joy. And I'll explain that in a minute. So Dictionary defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, but it's so much more. Because happiness is dictated by our circumstances, right? So we get a pay raise, we're happy. You know, we buy a new car, we're happy. We see our children doing something that just brings us joy, we're happy. But what happens on the outside of that? You get fired. You ain't so happy anymore. 
you know, your kid does something that just messes you up, gets in trouble at school or something. You're not so happy anymore. See, happiness is dictated by those things around us, outside the circumstances around us. But when we're talking about the gift of joy, we're talking about the gift of biblical joy. All right, we're talking about a joy that's not dependent on our circumstances around us, which are, they're temporal. Those circumstances around us are, they're, they're not based on, on eternity. They're based on just temporary things that impact us. But biblical joy is based on eternity. Biblical joy, it's something that's cultivated within us, right? It's cultivated. Do, the, the word cultivated, does everybody understand that that's an agricultural term? Agricultural, right? We talk about farming. You're cultivating. Now, I can make this statement with a lot of confidence because we see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and it goes on from there. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. So if it's joy is a fruit, then when I bring in the terminology, it's something that's cultivated. Here, we're talking about biblical joy, the fruit of the Spirit. This is a biblical joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So it's something that's from within, something that's cultivated. Now, I don't think you have to be a, a, you know, a farmer or someone that's involved in agriculture to understand that whatever it is you're trying to grow, it needs care. You can't just you know, throw a seed and expect that something's going to just grow from that seed unless you're cultivating it, right? So the gift of joy is something that's cultivated. Biblical joy is something that's cultivated. It is a gift from God, and I'm going to show you exactly why and how, but it's a gift that's then cultivated because it needs to become then a fruit of the Spirit, a fruit that we bear. And so keep that in mind. We'll come back to joy being a fruit a little bit later on. But going back to the big idea that you can't refuse the gift of joy, that, that the caveat to that is because in Christ, so the gift of biblical joy, it's a natural occurrence because of who he is. You cannot experience Christ without experiencing joy. It's, it's just not possible. It's inherent in that relationship with him, in that salvation because when you have salvation, you have pure joy. Amen? It can't be separated from the other gifts. So we've talked about the gift of hope, the gift of wisdom, the gift of love. And now we're talking about the gift of joy. And thank you to my wife who went home and got these because I, I had forgotten them. But I'm going to grab these from under here. We have some gifts here. And they're not for anyone in particular. Or, and you really don't want them. Trust me. Because I just wrapped some boxes. But... If you look at these, they're all different shapes, they're all different sizes, right? And they're meant to represent different things. But if you look at the gifts, they have something in common. And I, I, does anybody see what they have in common? They're the same wrapping, right? They're all the same wrapping paper, right? And aside from the fact that they're all um, that, they're all rectangular, but they all have the same wrapping, right? And so the point I'm trying to make with that is... If I, that too, the snowflakes or whatever that is. <laughs> if I give you this gift, this might be the gift of love. The gift of love comes with joy. If I give you the gift of hope, the gift of hope comes with joy. 
If I give you the gift of wisdom, it comes with joy. You can't separate that. If I'm loving you, and if you're experiencing love, you're experiencing joy, the joy of that love. If I'm giving you hope, if you're experiencing hope, hope brings joy. We've, and, and everything that has been spoken about these last weeks, you know, from, from the different ministers, those gifts all come with joy. They can't be separated. So that's a, the, the, the point to make is that the gift of joy is inherent in that relationship with Christ, and it's there, it's available. It's available for us at all times. And on top of that, throughout his word, now God has given us these gifts. They're all wrapped in joy. We've got joy now. Joy has been given to us. But God takes it a step further now because he's given us that joy. And he says, now use it, right? It's the gift that you have to use. He requires us and tells us to use that gift I think my bishop would call that an imperative, right? Love that word. It's an imperative. How do I know that? Psalm 20, 32, 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 97, 12 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 32, 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And just in case you think it's limited to the Psalms, Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. It's an imperative. He's telling us rejoice. Because he knows, God knows, even when we don't know, that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what you're going through, there's reason to rejoice. Amen. And he wants us to understand that. So he makes it an imperative, not because... He's trying to be that parent that says, you got to do this, you got to do this. But because he understands that he already made the way. He already did what needed to be done so that you could rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Amen? Now, the challenge then is how? Because seriously, God, I don't feel like rejoicing right now. You know, I, I, I just lost my job. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my bills. You know, my kid just ran away from home and you're telling me to rejoice? How, how am I supposed to rejoice? But I promise you, church, it is possible. It is possible. Because if he's telling us to do it, it's because he's already made the way. He's already made it possible. God's not going to expect from us something that's not possible. And he says to rejoice always. It's a difficult concept. But we do have the ability, even in sorrow, even in trials, to rejoice always. The Word of God says, he's, and we sang about it earlier, he's turned my mourning into dancing. He can do that. He already did that. All we need to do is know how. How do we get there? How? And so I want to talk about some of that, those practical points about, so how? How do we rejoice in the Lord always? And in suffering, even in that? You know, in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, and Dr. Pete spoke on this verse last week. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He goes on to say, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. So what's he talking about there? If you keep my commandments and you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now here, at this point, 
Jesus knew what was about to happen. He understood the torture and the torment and everything he was about to undergo as a human in that human flesh. He understood this is about to get real ugly. And yet, here he's saying, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. In the midst of all that knowing and understanding, I'm about to be beat up, tortured, and killed, I still have joy. And he says that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be made full. And so there's certain things there that are very important. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. That's the source of the joy. That's where the joy comes from. Because if we're in lock relationship with God and keeping his commandments, there's joy even in those struggles, even in the trials, even in the torture and the torment, no matter what, there's still that joy. And that joy and that hope that's tied to that hope comes from the simple fact that we understand we're here for a minute. This is not the end. And so whatever you're going through, whatever circumstance is coming to you, keep your eye on the prize because that's going to go away. That doesn't go with you. Once it's all said and done, that stays here. But your relationship with Christ is forever. And that's going to stop but your relationship with God never is. And so the hope, I think it was this one, the hope gives you joy that lasts forever. And so we need to be mindful. When, when I say it's an imperative joy or rejoicing, using that gift that God has given you, that means joy is a choice, right? You're gonna be faced with reality. Reality is gonna say to you, Again, you lost your job or you, know, you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever the case might be, you can't possibly have joy. And God says rejoice, which means now I've got a choice to make because I've got this thing in front of me that says you can't rejoice. And at the same time, I've got God over here saying rejoice. And so I need to make a choice. I'm gonna follow God. He says rejoice. And so then we talk about it. So how do we, how do, we do that? In times of sorrow, how can we have joy? Because our joy comes from God. And again, it's easier said than done. But one, one thing that as I was going through this, and it's so, it's so awesome because we get to see some really cool instruction in the word of God. If you look at Psalm 51.12, the psalmist understood this really well. And the reality of what we face is expressed in the word, which means God already understands it. God already knows it. God already understands that we're going to go through this. And he gives us an example of what do we do? And the psalmist says, and I don't know if I gave you this one, but the psalmist says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. In the circumstance that he was going through, he understood, I'm struggling right now to have joy. I am struggling right now to have joy. And I don't know, has anybody ever found themselves in that situation where they're struggling right now to have joy? No matter what it is that you find yourself in, you're just like, oh my gosh, I cannot have joy. He turned around and said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I want you to take, a, I want you to take that today and understand it's okay to struggle with that. God understands you're going to do that. But here he clearly shows us, you can come to me. You can ask me to restore joy to you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So where's the joy? The joy is in salvation. It's tied to salvation. 
Hope, or love. Love is tied to salvation. Hope is tied to salvation. Wisdom is tied to salvation. Our joy is found in salvation. And so when you find yourself in that place, like, I just can't rejoice, think. Stop and think, because now you need to make a decision. So stop and think and remember, I was there. I was in the darkness. I was lost. And he came and found me, and he gave me salvation. This circumstance that I'm going through, man, it's terrible. But man, I could be in so much worse shape. There is reason to rejoice. There is reason to be joyful because God loves me and he saved me. So restore to me the joy of your salvation, the psalmist said. The great thing is that God is absolutely, unequivocally, undoubtedly committed to our joy. It's not just a side effect. It's not like, well, I'm going to give you love and and maybe you'll have some joy. I'm going to give you hope and maybe you'll have some joy, but it's tied and it's, it's, it's so embedded in what he wants for us. In Romans chapter 14, 17, oh Lord, bless your name. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Joy is the kingdom of God. He's committed to our joy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 reads, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So the will of God in Christ Jesus for you is that you would rejoice always. Not sometimes, not, you know, my will is that you would have hope and maybe you can rejoice. No, his will was that you would rejoice always. I can testify, folks, that this is real. I've been through some stuff. And many of you know that testimony, and I'll just take 10 seconds here to say, after almost 20 years of marriage, I lost my wife to cancer, my first wife. And we had three kids together. I didn't know life alone. I did not know life alone. I, she and I met in high school and got married young. We had kids and we served the Lord with all our hearts and, and praise God, I, my kids are not here. They don't attend church here. They attend church around the corner, but they're all involved in ministry. They're all blessed and being a blessing. Um, but man, was that tough. And for me to turn around, this was in September of 2013, and for me to turn around and say, well, now I've got to have joy. How am I going to have joy? But I promise you, church, God is faithful. Amen. You know, it says your, your uh, morning will, will last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's just weeping, right? I tell you what, God shows up, and he brings that morning, the morning daytime, gets rid of the morning that ugliness. And, and so God is real. He can make it happy. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's a lot packed into those verses. There's a lot packed into those verses. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not preaching on James, but if you want to go back May 7th, 2017, Go find that video. Bishop preached it. It's on Facebook. 
You'll find it. And there's a lot packed into that. Write that down, May 7th, 2017. But you know, the big idea of his message was that the testing of our faith produces the fruit and exposes the roots of our faith. And so we, we already talked about the fruit, right? The fruit of joy, something that's cultivated. So part of that cultivating is the testing, right? Many of you who have dealt in agriculture, and most of you who haven't should understand this point, is that in order to get that fruit to grow, you got to break that ground up. There's things that you have to do. Sometimes you've got to prune that tree. Sometimes you've got to cut it. And there's things that you have to do, but that leads to the growth of that joy so that we cultivate the joy. And so just remember that that fruit is something that we make that decision because we're faced with the trials. God says to rejoice. We decide to rejoice even in the midst of that. So the testing of our faith, those things that happen to us is just part of cultivating that fruit but we have to consciously be a part of that. It doesn't just happen. We have to be a part of that. Bishop went on to share that the testing of our faith should be accepted with joy. And that's a, that's a tough concept. But it's not so tough, again, if you go back to what I said a little bit earlier. When you know, so we go back, I think it was this one right here is wisdom. Wisdom is what gives us joy in the midst of that testing of our faith. Because wisdom says, this is only temporary. My hope is in the future. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in his eternal kingdom. And so whatever this testing is, is just part of growing that fruit. And so we can rejoice even in those turmoil and that turmoil and those trials. And so that, that verse right there that says, counted all joy, that, that instructs us. Okay, how, how, do we, how do we experience joy in the midst of all of this? And the word count means to take an accounting of, which again, is involved in the decision. So now you're faced with the choice, do I rejoice, do I not rejoice? You decide I wanna rejoice, how do I rejoice? Count it all joy, take an accounting, think on everything that God has done for you and everything that God has promised you. Take that accounting so that when it's put up next to these numbers, if you will, of the trials and the temptations and the things that you're struggling with, when it's put up against that, all of that means nothing. All of this gives you the joy that you so desire. Count it all joy. And so he expects us to do that. It requires a decision. It's not based on our feelings, folks, because our feelings will tell us, oh, give up. Our feelings will tell us, go to bed, turn off the lights, is done. But God made a way through the trial because he's given us all those things that we can now take an account of and that we can now remember why we should rejoice. Everybody still with me? Praise God, that clock moves fast. <laughs> Amen. So it's Christmas time. Let's turn this into a Christmas message, if you will. And so the third point, joy is meant to be shared. If you'll turn to Luke chapter one, I'm gonna read verses 39 through 55, and we'll get through this quickly. Now Mary arose in those days and went, well, I'll give you a chance. When you got it, say, hey. I don't say, oh, that's it, that's, 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 don't say so. That's his. Say hey. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. I'm going to go ahead. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and his holy and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Praise God. A lot of rejoicing there from Mary. From verses 46 on, that's called the Song of Mary in, you know, in, in our Bibles. It kind of gives it that little title, the Song of Mary. And so leading up to this, the angel Gabriel had shown up to Mary, right? Remember in the verses leading up to this, and he said, hey, blessed child, God has chosen you, and you're going to have a son. And she was like, well, how am I supposed to do that? I haven't, you know. And so she, Gabriel said, well, it's all taken care of. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And Now, we see her reaction leading up to this. When, when the angel Gabriel was speaking to her, there was a certain amount of trepidation, a little bit of fear, like, oh, how's this supposed to happen? And even after that, you would imagine her mind, based on what was kind of stated there, that she was a little bit, like, scared. Here she is, this young girl that is not married and is being told, you're about to have a baby, and she's got to have these thoughts of, what are people going to say? You know, what's my reputation going to be? And, and all kinds of thoughts like that, like, how can this happen? And then it leads into these verses that I just read. So up until then, it was kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? But then she comes and she finds Elizabeth. And when she finds Elizabeth, Elizabeth's like, hey, oh, praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, this, this joy, she mentions, you know, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So she's expressing this joy that was inside of her and how that, that rejoicing then was, was her state of being. She was rejoicing. And when Mary sees this, you know, in the midst of all that she was going through, it's like all of a sudden, bam, she understood and she could rejoice. And go back to when I first started that game that none of y'all ever heard of, <laughs> right? Ha ha ha. If I stood up here laughing, you'd all laugh. It would just, it, it's inevitable. But it, going back to that game, it's contagious. Elizabeth's joy now allowed Mary the freedom to have joy, to rejoice. She testified to her, and then that testimony brought joy inside of Mary. Mary was struggling. She had all this stuff going on, but yet, as soon as she found herself in that situation of joy, rejoicing, then she could rejoice. And it's, it's such an amazing thing. And I don't know, again, aside from that game that I spoke about, I don't know if you all have ever found yourself in that situation where you were you know, kind of like down or whatever, but then you put yourself in the right place where there was joy. And then all of a sudden you start to feel joy. Going back to that big idea, joy is contagious. The contagious gift that you can't refuse, but it's meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared just as Elizabeth 
demonstrated to us there, and it's intended to be with you at all times. And that's important, church, especially in this day and age. It's super, super important. God has given us all of this, and he's wrapped it all in joy, and he's given us that joy. Joy is a large part of our testimony to this world. You know, Pastor Aldo had shared again, hope, we are the hope for the world. But imagine, if you will, if I'm the hope for the world, and this is how I walk around all the time. Who, nobody wants that. Who wants that? But one of our greatest testimonies, aside from love, because I think love is a great testimony when we love people, but you know what you can't do? You can't love people without joy. So joy is still all part of this. And so when we walk around like this and everyone we see, hey, John, right? You just saw John. <laughs> John Casanova. That's John Cas. Hey, when we walk around like that, then people are like, and, you, and I don't know if you've experienced this personally, I've heard of this before, but that's when people say, I want some of what he's having. Now, we've heard it in different ways. You know, what's he smoking? I want some of that. Or that that's, that's what we typically hear. But I want some of that joy that he's got. That's our testimony. That's how we witness to people, right? Now, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit, and I've got a minute and 43 seconds. Watch this. I need you to understand this today because this is really, 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 really important. And that was a bunch of reallys, but it really is important. The church right now is under attack. And that might sound like, oh, hyperbole or whatever, or just some type of like exaggeratedness or whatever, but I promise you the church is under attack. And this is not based on, and, and please, I'm going to make a statement here that I don't want it to be a political statement because it's not intended to be and, and, and it really shouldn't be. But I just want to point out a, a, a truth that I, I have trouble with anyone trying to deny. Here, the church is under attack. I don't care what you believe about these, whether they work, they don't work, they're good, they're not good, whatever. The church is under attack. Because if I've got this on, am I angry? Am I angry? Can you tell? Am I happy? Can you tell? Am I upset? Can you tell? This is the window to our joy. And the enemy, very sly, very... And again, it's not about what you believe about these things. It has nothing to do with that. Because even if you believe that they work and that they're necessary, the enemy introduced something into this world that made us have to wear these. And why did he do that? Because again, if, you, if this is what you see, you can't tell, am I rejoicing? I could have the biggest smile on behind here, but you can't tell. And now, I'm not saying don't wear your mask. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is be aware that this is an attack of the enemy. And so when the enemy attacks you, you gotta find ways to get around that. There's ways to get around this. You can have this on and there's different ways to express joy. Now I'll tell you, one effective way to get around that, and I've seen this and I wanna get one, is the one that has the big smile on it. Because then at least, and I, I know this as a fact, because I see people in public wearing those, I'm like, yo. And I, I've even gone up to them and said, I love that mask, that's awesome. Because then there's joy that's being expressed, even though I find myself in this situation. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, 
throw these things away because they're, you know, I, you know, whatever your personal belief is, but there's ways that we need to be wise about getting around the restrictions that this has brought around joy. God has given us joy to be shared with others. We need to be someone's Elizabeth. We need to be someone's Elizabeth. They find themselves going through whatever they're going through. When they come to us, they should see the joy of Jesus inside of us so that then their joy can be activated. Because again, I told you I'd come back to it. Joy is a fruit, right? Joy is a fruit. It's a fruit of the spirit. Now, if I'm producing joy as a fruit, who's that for? The joy is already inside of me, so it's not for me, right? The joy is already inside of me. It's grown inside of me, so it's not for me. That joy is for someone else. And my time is up, but I'll tell you this. I did a quick, quick thing on, and, and Cheryl, I shared this with Cheryl on, on the fruit. And, and a fruit that's mentioned a lot in the Bible, the fig, right? The fig. Does anybody know how figs grow and what's the whole deal with figs? I'm gonna tell, I'll, I'll share with you in, in a matter of 30 seconds here. Fig is a fruit that's actually a bunch of flowers inside of this casing. Now, there's male figs and there are female figs. And so in order for them to pollinate, because they're flowers, the flowers turn into fruit inside of the fig. So each of those little flowers inside, those seeds, those are each individual little fruits within this casing. So that flower, in order for it to get pollinated, there's a process that has to go on, right? Because you have this male and you have this female, but they're enclosed. Study it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But the one thing I do want to share, which is so cool about figs being in the Word of God, if you look at figs and the nutritional value of figs, high in potassium, calcium, and something else. Fig has a nutritional value for whoever eats it. Our joy, the fruit, has a nutritional value to the soul of the person that you get to share that fruit with. We need to be somebody's Elizabeth. Amen? Amen. So in closing, a couple of quick questions to, to close because that's what we do here. So will you remember to count? That's the key to joy is count it all joy. You've got to count. You've got to remember the things that God has done for you because the enemy will try to bring the lies to you to say, no, you've got no reason to be rejoicing. But God has given us every reason to rejoice. And then ask yourself, can I be somebody's Elizabeth today, this Christmas season, especially in the midst of all this stuff that's going on? Church, I promise you, and I don't say this, I don't say this to be a, a doomsayer or whatever, but Tough times are ahead. There are some tough times coming here, especially in, in, in the U.S., but all throughout the world. There are some tough times coming. There's a lot of things that are happening that are going to make it tough to rejoice. But God has called us to rejoice because we have the hope. and We have the wisdom to share with others, but it's all got to come with joy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Close your eyes. I'm going to close this out in prayer real quick. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your word today. Lord, you truly are a joy giver. We thank you, Lord God, for our salvation, our salvation, Lord God, which is our joy. And Lord God, we're just grateful today that you have spoken to us. We pray, Lord God, even as, as you have spoken to me, and I've now become more mindful of that responsibility, Lord God, and that blessing to rejoice always. Lord God, I pray that each of us here today within earshot has understood and learned and and even uh, can take something away from this today to rejoice, Lord God, in you and to be that joy that gets spread to others, especially in this Christmas season, Lord God. 
where uh, hearts are more open, Lord God. We see it in, in the people that we interact with and, and how the world even reacts during this time of year. They're much more open, Lord God. So we just pray that you help us in this time to, uh, to share that fruit of, of joy, Lord, we pray. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. We serve a good God. Amen. Amen. We're going to get ready to partake of communion. And so if you don't have, if you don't have a communion um, cup, just go ahead and raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you one. I always think about a takeaway from every message that I receive, that I hear, because I don't just want to walk away as being just a hearer, but the one thing that is so important is the statement that biblical joy is cultivated. Biblical joy is cultivated, and that's what rejoicing is, right? It's doing joy again and again. If you, if you think about it in those terms, that's what counting is, right? It's recounting. It's reminding yourself. It's, it's sitting there and, and thinking about, man, all of the blessings that God has brought into my life, the good, right? And so that's how it's cultivated. And the, and, and the foundation, I would say, of that cultivation is the gospel, which is why communion becomes so, so important in the process of cultivating joy. Because communion is this gospel picture that reminds us of our sin, our Savior, and our salvation. And we are reminded weekly, every time that we come to the communion table together, we're reminded that, man, sin put Jesus on that cross. Our rebellion, our lying, our lust, our whatever you put in that category, you know, your anger, your rage, your violence, your, you know, whatever it is, those things put Jesus on the cross. The sins that we struggle with today put Jesus on the cross. And I can rejoice because that Savior was faithful. And even though I still struggle and even though I still battle with sin, I know that I can overcome because of the Savior that came. And I can be reminded of his beauty, of his power, of his majesty. And not only do I look at my sin and, and the Savior that had to die and rescue me, but I also look forward because he's not done. We rejoice in what he has done looking forward to what he promises to do. And so I just ask you to just bow your heads there for a moment. We read the scriptures every week, and so you guys are here every week, and so you should know these scriptures by memory by now. But Paul, he says clearly, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. That's why I ask you to bow your heads as I'm reading the scriptures. Just humble your heart and just hear these words. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Lord, we humble our hearts. Search us. 
show us where we need to repent. Show us where we need to humble ourselves. Show us where we need to rejoice. Forgive us for our sins of omission as well as our sins of commission. Purify our hearts, God. And Lord, may these elements that we'll partake of now have great significance to us and remind us of your body that was broken and torn, your flesh, of your blood that was shed and the shame that you endured for us. May we not take it for granted, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me?